Good morning. Today's scripture is Isaiah chapter 48, verses 17 through 20. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who teaches you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand, and their descendants like his grains. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. Go out from Babylon, flee from Chaldea, declare this with a shout of joy, proclaim it, send it out to the end of the earth, say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you. Listen up. Only God brings life. Don't forget it. That's a crude kind of explanation or headline, if you will, of what is known as the Shema, which any person, any Jewish person knows. For thousands of years, it has been the marching orders, if you will, for God's people. And it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And these things that I teach you today, you must put them on your heart. Teach them diligently to your children. When you're walking along the road, when you sit down in your home, when you lie down to rest, and when you wake up, you must bind these things on your hands and put them as like a frontlet on your forehead between your eyes. Nail them to the doorpost, the frame of your house, to the gate. In summary, life only comes through life with God. Life apart from God leads to suffering. Again, this is called the Shema. If you go anywhere in Israel, you go to any, any hotel, any hostel, especially all the Jewish parts, any apartment complex, any school, any dormitory, wherever you go, you'll see something along these lines. You'll see, again, this little, little, uh, little thing nailed to the doorpost. It's called the mezuzah. I got to spend some time in Israel many, many years ago when I was in college, and uh, it's, it's, again, called a mezuzah. Uh, not to be confused with a, another word, I learned medusa, which is jellyfish. You don't, probably don't need to know that a whole lot. But mezuzah is very imp important. And some people will very faithfully, very consistently never walk through a doorpost, never walk through a gate without doing this, without putting their fingers on the mezuzah, which is, again, the Shema is, is, is in there. 
And it's, some people do it faithfully, some people forget or only do it certain, certain times, but it's, 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 it's very important. It's also important, though, for you and for me. The Shema, you've heard us sometimes in the benediction, sometimes when we do um, child dedications, we will read that, that passage. Well, this morning, what we're going to do is a little different. Okay, do you have your th- thinking caps on? Yes, are you with me this morning? Give me amen if you're with me. Amen means I'm tracking with you. So we're going to need that because what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look through the filter, through the lens of the Shema as we walk through Isaiah chapter 48 through 49. So good morning again. My name is Dave, I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and we're going to get into our time together in Isaiah chapter 48 through 49. We've been walking through this Hebrew poetry together for the last few weeks, and we have a few weeks to go, and it's been shaping and good. And so um, I want to let you know, kind of out of the gates, if you've never heard me preach before uh, or you're new here, first of all, welcome. We're very, very glad you're here. And also, I want to let you know I have a Utter. It'll kind of come in and out as I preach, and I just want to make sure that you have a, have a heads up on that. And so go ahead and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 48 through 49 if you have a Bible with you or you have it on your phone. If you don't have one and you would like one, will you hold your hand up high and keep it up? And we will make sure that you have a Bible with you. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no... Tienen ningún Biblia, eso es un regalito a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Isaías. So again, uh, we want to make we want to make sure you have a copy of God's Word with you. This is our gift to you. Okay, if you don't if um you don't have one. So this morning, as I said, the Shema is going to be like the tour guide for us, walking through Isaiah chapters 48 through. 49. Because the first audience that would have received this prophetic letter, Isaiah, would have the Shema in mind. There are certain places there that would, that would take you back that you would need to know it in order to rightly understand what God is saying. And again, the short that we're going to walk through this morning, as you'll see here, I have a little, little fo- forecast for where we're heading, is life with God brings life Life apart from God brings suffering. And again, the kind of short and crude way of understanding is listen up. Only God brings life. Don't forget it. Let's pray together. Father, as we come before you this morning, as the worship team ushered us through such a great time of call to worship, of As Pastor Marcus led us through the prayer of the people and then through the passing of the peace, greeting and welcoming each other. And then as Jenny ushered us, shepherded us through a reminder of our confession of our sin, our rebellion against you, and then the assurance of your grace if we hear and respond, if we trust and surrender, we repent Now, as we walk through this time in the Bible, I pray that you, through your Holy Spirit, will help us to hear your word, hear your voice, hear your call. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Picking up in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 1. Again, this first part, listen up, or in the Shema, hear, O Israel. Picking up in verse 1 of chapter 48. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and who came from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. And then down in verse 12, listen to me, O Jacob and Israel. Again, in that here, God's people. Listen to me, God's people, whom I called. I am he, I am the first, and I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Assemble, all of you, and what? Listen. Who among them has declared these things? The Lord loves him. He shall perform his purpose on Babylon, and his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. And then down in chapter 49, verse 1, again, listen to me, but this time, oh, coastlands. That's the entire earth, okay? Coastlands, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Coastlands is the entire world. It's everybody. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. Hear, O Israel, hear. The Shema, that is the Hebrew word for hear, or listen. It's the first word, listen up. Now, it's not here, just kind of, you know, listen casually, you know, the stereos playing, the sound waves are penetrating your eardrums, but hear in such a way that you, in, you internalize, you digest it, you respond. Hear, listen. The, the name, if you've heard Yahweh, the name of G- God, I am that I am, in the, in, in, as Moses interacted with God, said, who are you? What's your name? When the people ask who you are, he says, I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. Well, a great understanding of what I am means is the one God with whom you have to interact. The one God to whom you need to give an account. So here in such a way that you understand you will interact and relate with God. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 15, also in many other places, Jesus says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear which obviously isn't like, if anyone has ears, anyone here not have ears? Like, it's, it's not like a physical, biological uh, thing he's talking about, but he's saying, if you have ears that are able to hear, listen, lean in. So that would be a question for us. Do we have ears that hear in such a way that we respond, that we interact, that we digest and do something with. That is the call here at the beginning. Again, listen up. And then, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord our God. The Lord is one. That that second part as we walk through is, again, listen up. Only God brings life. Okay, pick up with me as we continue. In chapter 48, Verse 9, 
for my name's sake, this is God speaking, for my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. And then down in verse heaven, for my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Again, in the Shema, right? Hear, O Israel, listen up. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. A good way of understanding that, again, kind of translating from Hebrew to English, is the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. So when we read that, let me just be honest. We can be honest here, right? Uh, is God petty? Is he narcissistic? Is he jealous? We hear elsewhere that the Lord is a jealous God. Is that like, oh, that's, that's mean, that's petty. No, God is loving and he's honest. Hey, imagine with me that you live somewhere that has a well, some of us might even have a well. You might have a well, right? Living outside of Flagstaff. And, right, you, you live somewhere, you have a well, and this well pro, 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 provides and sustains life. It's refreshing. It's sweet. We don't know that if we just drink water out of the faucet in Tucson. It's not as bad as Phoenix is, but it's still not, not so great. And it's, right, but imagine this water. It's sweet. It's good. It's refreshing. It's sustaining. It provides Life, And in contrast to that, your neighbor has a well that has been poisoned, that has been polluted. It's not only does it taste bad, but it can harm you. It can actually kill you, can give you parasites. Well, in our day, we don't really intellectually enter into what that would all look like. And we just kind of would have this idea to produce some kind of false humility like, hey, a well's a well, right? We might call it different things, have different names for it, but... I mean, my well, try this well. It might be good. It might be sweet. And you know that other well will not sustain, will not give life. It would be unloving and dishonest to just pretend that it will. Well, God knows that he alone gives life. He knows that outside of his care, his covering, he created us to find our identity identity and our purpose, our life through him and him alone. So when we go and look for it anywhere else, it would be unloving and dishonest for God to say, oh, do, do what you will. No, God says, I alone am God. There is no other. I share my glory with no one else. You will only find life through God alone. And then Pick up here in, uh, in chapter 48, verse 17 and 18. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Verse 18, oh, that you would have paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Oh, that you would have followed my commandments. Now, this isn't God like rubbing it in. Okay, let me just say for a moment here. Uh, okay, 
press in because I want to clarify a couple things. One, is it an exact if-then exchange? If you do these things, everything will go well for you. And going well for you is defined by our definitions. This is sometimes referred to or understood as like the prosperity gospel. If you do this, God will do this in exchange. It's kind of a, it's a transaction. If you give, oh, did I lose it? Okay. In my day, right, it was like you give 50 cents, you get a candy bar in return, right? Like, I don't know what candy bars cost these days. Probably not 50 cents, right? You give this, you get this. You put it into a vending machine. Does those exist still, vending machines? But you don't put actual coins in them probably, right? I'm an old man here. I'm just getting it. I'm embracing it more and more, by the way. So, it's in exchange. It's not like that. But God is, is explaining or declaring again that life under his care is where flourishing takes place. Because of sin, because of human rebellion, because we've turned away from him, brokenness, sorrow, sadness is still present. Things are not the way they should be. But for those who look for and find life in God and in him alone... There is a foundation that has been built where there is a hope and a peace that can, even in the most difficult circumstances, surpass understanding. And there is a promise and a future that has been declared that can inform even the most difficult circumstances now so that there can be flourishing. And so God says, oh, I wish that you had not wandered away from me, that you had not looked for life elsewhere. So again, it's not this prosperity gospel. It's also not God being mean. God saying, well, if you would have done this, I would have, you know, I would have given you an extra serving of ice cream, right? I would have done this, but you didn't. Sorry, you know, sucks for, for you. Sorry, good luck with that. No, in, in, instead, God is, is again reminding his people, this is what it looks like. Life with me leads to life, leads to flourishing. Again, go, we're jumping back and forth, right? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, which again, the first audience could not read this without having that in the backdrop, just playing through their minds. Six times in Deuteronomy chapter 6, God says, if you obey me, this is what life will look like for you. If you follow me, if you trust me, if you look for life in me, you will flourish. But because you haven't, because you have wandered you are suffering. So what do we do with this? Right? Okay, good. Thanks. I, I got that. Well, I, what, what do we do? We respond and remember. When we hear God, if you have ears to hear, if you are listening in such a way, and let me just say, because, right, I have a speech impediment. My older brothers, you know, didn't have arms. There are people who are, who are hearing impaired, uh, that, that does not mean like ears in that way, and I don't mean to be insensitive in any way. It's, 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 it's again a heart level. Some of us might have the best hearing in the world physically or the best eyesight or speak the most eloquently and clearly, but it could be foolish. It is all for naught, right? First Corinthians chapter 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am nothing. I'm a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So God is speaking to our hearts here. Do you have ears to hear? Listen up. 
So if you are listening, and I pray that by God's help through his spirit, we are all in this room listening, what do we do? We respond and we remember. What does it look like to respond? It means to have faith or trust. Picking up Isaiah chapter 49 in verses 8 and 9. Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor I have answered you. In a day of salvation I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages. Saying to the prisoners, this is the servant, this is God talking about what he will say and how he will speak to his people. Come out to those who are in darkness. Appear. They shall feed along the ways on all bare heights shall be their pasture. What has been desolate, where there has been malnutrition, where there has been death, God will give life. God will feed. God will sustain. God will quench the thirst. In the New Testament, the uh, Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Corinthian church, actually quotes this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What Isaiah chapter 48 and 49, what Isaiah this whole section that we're walking through, zoom back even further, what De Deuteronomy chapter 6, right? Zoom out even further back, what Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when God says, in the midst of the curse, in the midst of suffering, w one of the descendants one day will be raised up, whose heel will be bruised, but he will crush the head of the serpent. He, he will crush death once and for all. Then thousands of years later, the Apostle Paul is telling people, that day is today. The, the whole uh, history of humankind has been wondering, how is this going to happen? How is God going to deal with rebellion? How is God going to deal with suffering? How is God going to deal with pain? How is God going to deal with rebellion and sin? Paul says that day has come. This is the day of salvation. This is the day of your salvation. Do you have ears to hear? Listen up. God's son came as a servant and his heel was bruised when he hung on the cross and died. But he did that in order to reconcile his people to himself. He did that in order to, to, to take Deuteronomy chapter 6, which has been treated like a good luck charm, right? Some people just walking through and, you know, putting it right, which we do it too, whether it's athletes. I've, I put Philippians 4.13 on all my track spikes and all my 
cleats and I still was like mediocre, middle of the pack at best, right? But I still, right, you go out on the soccer field, you hit a little, little grass, maybe, I don't know all the routines, right? Or in baseball and you do this and you do the cross or in our, in our city, you see it when you drive past a Catholic church, you do, do the sign of the cross or let's get, can we get on our couch? Can we get close to home? We check off the box and do our quiet time, right? We, we just kind of, uh, you know, maybe while driving around town, we have it playing on audio or we, we have it going, we have our AirPods in and we're listening to it while we're scrolling through social me- media or, uh-oh, am I, I'm convicted. I'm indicted here, right? Or I, I journal um, and I have a stutter, so sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to write it down. My hands of fury, smoke's coming up. But sometimes I'll look back and be like, I've just, I've kind of gotten into a, I just kind of say the same thing. Right? No, no. Like, do you hear? Is it sinking in? Do you respond in such a way that you understand that God alone gives life? That Jesus came and because he's loving and because he's honest, he said, I alone am the way and the truth, and the life. He's not mean, he's not smug, he's not dismissive, but he's clear. He's loving, and he's honest. So church, I want to ask us right now, what do we do? We respond. If you're here today, you're not a Christian, you've been considering, you've been listening, you've been interacting Is today the day of your salvation? Is God speaking to you? I am, my tongue is, gets tripped up. I'm foolish. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I'm not, I can't convince anyone. But I believe with all my heart in the same way that anyone here who has put their faith, their trust in Jesus, it's because God has removed the sound blocks, has opened the eyes, has softened the heart, and very simply said, come to me and I will give you life. How will you respond? Is today the day of your salvation? I pray it is. For everyone in the room, maybe you call yourself a Christian, but like me, you've, you've heard but not heard. You've You've, the sound waves have been penetrating your eardrums, but it hasn't been sinking deeply into your heart. How will we respond? Do we have ears to hear? Will we listen and understand that only God brings life? And then what do we do individually and corporately from there? We remember. In summary, the end of the Shema, right, is basically don't forget. Don't forget, pick up with me in, uh, in, in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 20 through 21. Go out from Babylon, flee from Chaldea, declare this with a shout of joy, proclaim it, send it out to the end of the earth, say the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. They did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made water flow for them from the rock. He split the rock and the water gushed out. 
Again, the end of the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6. He says, these things must be on your heart. Teach them diligently to your children, to your grandchildren. When you sit at your house, right around the dinner table, around the football game, when you're watching a show, don't just tune out. Don't have the sacred secular divide. Oh, this is some sitcom. That, no, interact. Something said, interact with your kids. What they said there, where does that reflect the gospel? Where does that contradict the gospel? The message that life only comes through Christ. Every commercial, a seminary professor and author some of us have interacted with, Mike Goheen talks about it all this time. He trained his kids when they were watching commercials to say, they'd actually say to the TV, who do you think you're kidding? <laughs> when you have that mind, you watch whether it's a shampoo commercial, a car commercial, a hair growth commercial, whatever it might be, right? The message is get this product and you will have life. You will be fulfilled. Who do you think you're kidding? Right? We need to have, have discernment and see when you sit at your house, when you walk along the roads, when you lie down at night, when you wake up. Church, we can turn a quiet time into a good, good luck charm. Just like people, you know, nailing something to a door and just thinking, oh, that's it, or, you know, cr crossing our cross or whatever. But that could also be something we do intentionally and diligently. That we see every time we drive past a, a church that we remember, wow, God, you are the light of the world. You, you have provided a community and a space for me to grow. On an individual level, we do these things. It can be a good luck charm. It can be mindless. It also can be wise rhythms of life, practices. As a church community, I've walked through it earlier, what we do week in and week out, right? When we gather here together, we get, it's important for us. Sadly, the average church attendance is like 1.5 times a month. How do they come up with 0.5? I don't know. Maybe if you leave halfway through the service. No, it's, you know, when they do all this statistics and stuff like that, that's the average. Is it bad to ever miss or what? No, of course not. But do we understand the rhythms that are shaping our hearts? Are there other practices and routines that we would never miss that are also shaping our hearts? We do these things when we meet together as redemption communities, as Bible studies, as small groups. We share God stories, right? We, we share sometimes, what has God been doing in my life? This is what God did. We prayed to this. We prayed about this as a group, as a church, and praise God. He's working. He's done this. This is what happened. Or maybe you can share a God story this week and someone else needs to hear it because they're like, I I'm, I'm here, but that's kind of all I can bring right now. I'm struggling. Maybe next week you will be in that same place and someone else will have a story that reminds you of God's goodness. I believe in the Shema when God is talking about and other portions of Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 31 says, one day a covenant will come that will be on your hearts. My spirit will dwell with you. I will give you hearts of flesh. 
I will indwell you that he's saying these things aren't just something that we put on our, on our foreheads or on our hands or on our, you know, and some of us might have whatever, tattoos or necklaces or different things that like remind us. But the message is, does it penetrate your heart? Proclaim these things among yourselves and to the world. All along, God's plan has been that he reveals himself his power, his glory, as I said, his love and his honesty, his truth to the world, to the universe. And guess how he's chosen to do that? Through you and me, through our lives, how we live, how we demonstrate our hobbies, our posture, our demeanors, how we drive, right? Well, just who we are, how we function, when we come, when we go, when we sit down, when we stand up, when we lie down, when we wake up, when we walk along the road, all th- and through our words that we proclaim and declare, listen up, only God brings life. Don't forget it. Let's pray together. Lord, um... I pray even now that you are speaking to us and that you have been speaking to us. Lord, let the words that have come through my mouth be your words. Let the thoughts of our hearts and our minds be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Only through your intervention, Lord, can we see you clearly can we hear you in such a way that leads us to respond? Lord, I pray for all of us in here, for those who have been drinking from poisoned wells. Lord, let the good news, the gospel, that you provide water, that when we drink of it, we will never thirst again. I pray, I plead, Holy Spirit, lead us individually and corporately to remember and to respond today in all of life to the good news of life found only and yet fully through Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.